Tyranny. You're listening to Knights of the Storm. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Knights of the Storm. Uh, today is, what is today? It's the 17th of December, 2024. Um, December. December. Oh, my goodness. I said December. Okay. I think I read it's February. I'm sorry. I had to go do my uh, Christmas shopping still. Yeah, right. I'm thinking about that already. Oh, but I'm your host, Jason Barker, uh, your other host, Angus Mustang. And today we have uh, Courtney Turner from the Courtney Turner podcast. You're kind of an activist, right? You're a very fit person. I seen you did some interesting stuff last year. Uh, so how are you doing, Courtney? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that I ever would have thought of myself as an activist, but I, I guess... Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Well, I mean, you're, you're probably not out there doing, uh, you know, uh, graffiti over graffiti and all that kind yeah. of crazy stuff. But, uh, no. I mean, nowadays, any kind of uh, exposing the truth is almost kind of like a mild activism, you know. Yeah, I guess uh, so. I mean, we get treated like it anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, we always start the show with a verse of the week because um, we have a lot of uh, Christian viewership. Mm -hmm. uh, so can I go? We want to do that? Please. Go okay, this week I have two verses, and they have to do with land ownership. So this is what we got. So Genesis 2.15, and these are both from the King James Version of the Bible. Uh, and the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And I think dress, I think that means cultivate it. Mm -hmm. And then you go to Psalms 115.16. Uh, the heaven and the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. And the reason I brought that up is because we're going to be talking about land and land rights today. And it's very clear, you know, yes, we have to be good stewards of the land. Um, we have to let the land rest. There's a lot of stuff about land and how to take care of the land. But, but God right. gave that to us, to the people, right. not to a single group. Um, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, I, I think that's very true. I think we are to be stewards of the land. I, you know, one of the things I had said to this when I was speaking to the agricultural committee subcommittee um, when I went to the state capitol was that some of the most beautiful land that I've seen is actually private, privately owned farms. And I think it's because, you know, people take pride in their own possessions and uh, there's also value. I mean, there a lot of them, that's their their bread and butter, you know, so to speak. So they live off of that land. And so they're going to tend to it and cultivate it and, you know, make it into the best that it could possibly be. Um, so that's often, I think that, that is our, I, I do think that's our job. I think it's incumbent upon us. And I think the results show that, that that's the best way to, we also see that with, you know, one of their buzzwords is biodiversity. Um, but you see that even with animals. I mean, one of the best way to prevent the extinction mm -hmm. of an animal is uh, for us to raise them to eat them. <laughs> you know, um, it, the cattle are not going extinct anytime soon, you know. <laughs> um, so I think that that's, uh, you know, that that's indicative of exactly what they said. That's how it's supposed to, you know, what the verse you read. I think that's how it's supposed to work. It's, you know, we, we take care of it and uh, we have, right, we have dominion. So. Yeah, unfortunately, they're uh, they they want to play God, so um, they want to, you know, take over and uh, dictate who has control, who does not have control, who has access, and uh, on top of it all, they want to commodify that so that they monetize it. Well, my thing is going back to what you said. You know, I grew up in farming communities um, when I was younger, and 
for a person like Monsanto or Bill Gates or you know somebody who has massive amounts of land, they don't take care of it. But they, they want to take the private ownership away and put it in the hands of corporations. The sure. corporations will not take care of it like a person who owns it. When I was in uh, Kuwait, in Kuwait, I think they all kind of share the land. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Okay. They don't really own it. Look at the garbage. Uh, plastic bottles, uh, clothing, it's just garbage everywhere because no one has ownership of it. So no one cares. And right. They don't, they don't have pride in it. They're not invested in it. Um, and I think the same goes for the corporations. I mean, they're not invested in land. No, it's not like one person owns it. Um, you know, they're just, uh, it's kind of a, it's a large umbrella and they're just reaping the profits. It's not like you have okay. somebody who takes, who has real ownership, you know, um, like, I, I, I don't know what a good, I'm just like looking at my cup, but like, imagine a bunch of people own the one cup. It's not like they're all going to take care of it, wash it and clean it and make sure that it, it doesn't chip. And, you know, it's like they're they're going to be happy to use it and, you know, yeah. pour their drinks into it. Um, they're they're happy to reap the benefits and profit off of it, but they're not going to take ownership and pride and invest in the well-being of. I know it's a dumb analogy. I'm, I just happen to be looking at the cup. But they're not going to invest in the well-being of it. And that, that's really the, the analogy I would use for the land. It's. It's not an ownership. I mean, if you have one person or a family who owns the land, that's their land and they're dependent upon that land. You know, the, uh, the well-being and the produce and the, uh, you know, the health, really, the ecosystem of that land is going to directly impact them. And so, of course, they're going to do their best to ensure that it's as, uh, you know, well-maintained and cultivated as possible. Nice. What do you think, Angus? I think that at some point they're going to re rewrite the verses and it'll say that the land was stewarded to Bill Gates and the WEF <laughs> at some point. That's a, I'm, I'm, my biggest fear is, and you know, one swipe of the keyboard and you Google something and it'll come up. Oh, Bill Gates owns it all, baby. Well, they're talking about AI re rewriting the Bible. So, yeah. That's pretty that's, serious. That's yeah, crazy. It is. It's pretty scary for sure. Um, all right. Well, going <laughs> to land here, let's. Let's talk about this because I was digging into the natural asset company thing mm -hmm. and I came across this uh, convention on biological diversity. Uh, yeah. We just talked about that before we went mm -hmm. on air. Um, what is that? This, this is a, a UN agenda? Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's this idea that, uh, and it sounds great. And that's really one of the things that I've tried to encourage people to look out for is their redefining of terms and their. Uh, usurpation of language because a lot of times they use words that uh, you know on the face of it sound great and they're very enticing and appealing it's like of course we would want to preserve biodiversity why wouldn't we want to pre preserve biodiversity however uh, you know again I think it kind of goes back to the verse it's not for man to play God so they, you right. know there is biodiversity already it's not for us to control that it is for us to you know cultivate and be stewards and uh, that that's really the big distinction so but that yeah they had this biodiversity treaty and it's this idea that uh you know we have to conserve the land that's another one of their buzzwords and so if we don't touch it then somehow we're going to maintain uh the biodiversity of that land um which, you know, is not necessarily true, just in, intrinsically. So, are we actually 
part of that treaty? Uh, the United no, States? it didn't go through. It didn't? Or, okay. or at least not in the United States. Well, I, I don't know about other countries. But yeah, no, they, they tried to pass it through uh, for us to enter, and we, we didn't enter. See, I was looking here, and this is why it confused mm -hmm. me, because I didn't think that we there was an actual treaty that we were obligated to. But I'm looking here, and this is a map of people who are reporting. So they, they must have some people that are part of this, or at least go along with it, well, with or without so it. Well, so there are nine, as of 2012, there were already 90 countries who were enrolled in NACS. Um, and okay. that's, that's part of why. So in 2012, the UN created this, I mean, this has been, uh, this uh, natural capital accounting it goes way back. I, I think one of the first books was in 1973 by Schumacher. Uh, it was called Small is Beautiful. However, this uh, agenda of, uh, you know, trying to do natural capital accounting does go back pretty far. But in 2012, mm. the UN came up with an official like white paper document and it was called the SEEA ecosystem accounting so it stands for systems of uh, environmental um economic accounting ecosystem accounting and it's i mean it's just voodoo economics it's just like a made-up system so that they can commodify air water land mineral resources um things like photosynthesis are even included in these uh, natural asset companies so but at that time, in 2012, there were already 90 countries who had signed on for natural asset companies. They kept saying, you know, we, that the United States has not joined yet, but that was a big initiative was for them to uh, get the United States to come on board. And uh, then in January of 2023, the Biden administration uh, actually released their uh economic like ecosystem accounting variation. Uh, it, they called it something else. And uh, let's see if I can find what they call it. It was called the National Strategy to Develop Statistics for Environmental Economic Decision. A US oh, that's a mouthful. Of, yeah, I know. That's why I can <laughs> never remember it. I really need to try, though. A U.S. System of Natural Capital Accounting and Associated Environmental Economic Statistics. It was done by the Office of Science and Technology Policy, Office of Management and Budget Department of Commerce. And it was January of 2023. So there you can see that is what it is. Um, you can look it up pretty easily. But that is essentially just the United States adopting this UN uh, voodoo economic system. And uh, so they, they had signed on for that. And that's really what I, I'm trying to encourage people to be aware of, to raise awareness for this. Because while the SEC did withdraw their proposal to put natural asset companies up on the New York Stock Exchange, uh, the... Uh, Biden administration has not pulled back on this natural capital accounting. And in fact, uh, back in 2022, uh, the SEC proposed a rule uh, for all farming to have ESG reporting. And they had three categories of this ESG reporting. And you would think that the pushback would be because this is a gross overreach of the SEC. They have no purview uh, to be requ requiring such things. But that's actually not what where the pushback came from. The pushback came from uh, rule number three, which was their... Uh, you know, requirement for specific ESG reporting. And most farmers said that they didn't have any infrastructure to be able to do any of that kind of reporting. And so that's where the pushback came from. And of course, what happened from there, they came up with the solution. And about five months later, the USDA, which is the United States Department of Agriculture, right, 
announced that they were going to be putting in $3.1 billion into um, smart commodity projects. Uh, sorry, climate smart commodity projects. And so this is, of course, a way for them to track and measure uh, greenhouse gas emissions. emissions. And uh, they are partnered with companies like Trimble, uh, Comet. Uh, the other one I think is called like AgriTrack, uh, Agri, uh, something like that. It's a, web, a website. And uh, this is so they can track and measure um, greenhouse gas emissions, and they put in $3.1 billion into a lot of different, uh, you know, companies uh, like ADM and, uh, and Costco was one of the partners, and $40 million went into Farm Journal, so uh, I think we can only infer that that's for propaganda purposes. Uh, why else would a media company be, uh, be receiving a financial uh, incentive uh, for this climate smart commodity project. So, yeah. What, so what could be good. more green than growing stuff? I don't understand. First, they got to convince me that CO2 is a problem because if you it's look at it's literally the life molecule. I mean, anybody who's yeah. taken third grade science knows this. What do they do in a greenhouse, by the way? How do they make the crops grow? They add CO2. That's literally what yeah. they do. What do you I mean, think? They, they tell you that, farm, that farming is bad for the environment now. You know, yeah. here they don't even they don't even plow up the fields for corn anymore. They just throw well, the corn down. It's it's crazy. Yes, yeah, so that was the whole uh, proposal behind these NACs, the natural asset companies. So the way that they were planning to commodify was through. Uh, and by the way, one another reason I don't think that they're going to just roll over and let this go is because they're estimating that they have upwards of five quadrillion dollars to gain from this. And you may ask, well, how are they going to uh, monetize and make money and profit off of things like water, air, uh, land? And it is unlike typically with land or with anything that you uh, reap profits, it is through the production. That is, you create a product. It is yielding something that is worth something. And I mean, this is just basic principles of economics, but this is inverted. So it's a degrowth agenda. And what they are incentivizing on a NAC is uh, they call it low yield or no yield. And it's this idea that you do not produce on it at all. And uh, in fact, this is part of, so this is again why I, I really, I, I haven't pulled back on it because I do think they're going to keep marching forward. You look at the Biden administration, six days after they got into office, they uh, put forth something called the 30 by 30. And this was part of a 30 by 30 agenda. However, uh, there wasn't uh, a whole lot of support for that name. So they renamed it, as they very cleverly do, and they called it America the Beautiful. But it is still the same plan. It is part of this UN initiative to have, by 2030, 30% uh, 30 of uh, the world's lands and uh, uh, water un uninhabited by humans and unable to be used by humans. Yes, Let me the ground. bring this up real quick, because yep. this is actually something I heard about a long time ago. This yeah. was kind of like stage one was this wildlands project. Mm -hmm. um, and if you take a look, this this map is copyrighted back to 2005. Yep. So this is, and this this got quite a few maps. If you scroll down, um, human access denied areas. Um, That's right. This year, I what is this one? Was this your corridor? This was your natural asset company, like 
thing. Yep. Uh, yeah, where it says normal use, that's the only land for humans. And you see how small that is? That I don't even see it. I gotta green. Zoom. It's yes. It's like almost non-existent. Oh, so kind of like the, where the big cities are now. They're going to cram us all in there. That's the idea is to yeah. push us into these big cities. Um, and I think that this is all part of uh, the UN 100 agenda. There's uh, the have you are you familiar with the UN 100? So I have not. Okay, so I, the UN 100, and I, I think I'm going to do a show to break this all down because people, a lot of people have not heard about it. Um, but essentially, the UN 100 is imagining the centennial of the UN, which of course would be in 2045. And so they partnered up with uh, the Boston Global Forum. And uh, if you remember our dear friend Michael Dukakis recently had his 90th birthday and he's helming this for the uh, Boston Global Forum, Forum and he's written this book. It's called Remaking the World, uh, the Age of Global Enlightenment. And what they are doing is they're creating what they call an AI world society. And so this is in 2045, they imagine that there will be an AI world society. I think a lot of people you're probably familiar with, they talk about how not only do they want a, you know, internationalist uh, world order, which is a centralized worldwide governing body. Um, well, they just had their meeting, the World Governments Summit. Exactly. You know, I mean, they, that's what they call it, the World Governments. Yeah, so. exactly. And that's so I, I think a lot of people are familiar with that. But they also talk about how there will be a world religion. And it looks like that world religion is going to be AI. That's okay. kind of what it looks like. Uh, or okay. cyber Satan, if you will. That's kind of uh, my friend Leo Zagami, who has written, I don't know where I have his book. Yeah, I know Leo Zagami. Okay, but... yeah, he's written several uh, tomes, but uh, his latest one, he references that term, uh, cyber Satan. And I, I thought that was very aptly put. Um, you know, I, I, I had been saying it, I didn't know he wrote that. And then he, I interviewed him and I was like, oh yeah, that's exactly what it is. You know, that's a, I, I say that too. Um, so I think that that's what they're trying to do. And they've had a symposium. They, they called it remaking, uh, Ukraine, rebuilding Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And they talk about how Ukraine has been decimated by the war. And so we need to send lots of money and support to rebuild Ukraine. And the reason they want to rebuild Ukraine is because they want to make Ukraine the hub of this AI world society. So it will be, and they talk about how it will be connected to all of these other 15-minute uh, cities, smart cities all throughout the world. And they're, they're, they have different names because they always change the names. But, you know, C40 is one of the newer terms that they're using. Uh, but that's really what it's about. And I think... I mean, I can't prove this, but I think that's largely what this war in Ukraine is actually all about. When you look at oh. a lot of these uh, designations, right, like Gaza is a, also designated as a 15-minute city as well. Um, you look at uh, East Palestine. We recently had that whole, uh, you know, train disaster, the derailment there. But that is also designated as a 15, or it's right near a 15-minute city. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. Lahaina. That was designated as 15-minute city. It was interesting, these, you know, very coincidental, all of these uh, things that are happening in areas that just happen to need some rebuilding. Yeah, yeah. and here's your C40 have you you're talking the, about. Um, have you seen what recently happened in, in Chile and with the fires there? I I heard about it, but I haven't seen too much, no. 
It's, uh, it happens to be, you know, um, oceanfront property, kind of the same thing, oh, you know, yeah. just yeah. like Miley. That's convenient, uh, yes. I wanted to bring this up because we talked about the C40 in the 15-minute city. Yeah. Um, I just noticed that it said this past year, and this was published uh, this month, this okay. past year, 15 world-leading cities, um, they're, they're basically coming in, and four of those are American cities, New York, yep. uh, San Antonio, San Francisco, and Seattle. But uh, if you take a look at the actual map, we've already gotten a lot more designated. So right here, here's where your 15-minute cities uh, are, are starting to spring up, Yep. where they're going to spring up. So quite a bit of the U.S. And again, if you look at the uh, natural asset company's map of the corridor, the corridor map that says you, you can't go here, you must live here, mm -hmm. it pretty much lines up with where these cities are located. Um, yeah. Yep. So yeah. very they interesting. Want to they want to push us all into the cities so they have control over us. And then uh, I think the farmlands are going to become basically like uh, forced labor camps. That's yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Uh, I mean, if I list these off, Austin, uh, Boston, Chicago, Houston, Los Angeles, Miami, Montreal, it goes on and on. Um, Toronto, Vancouver, what, this is all North America. Yeah. Washington, D.C. Yeah. They, you think they're going to stay 15 minutes? No, not, not, the, not the leaders. They'll get to fly oh, uh, yeah. wherever they want. And I, yeah. and I got to looking at uh, the line, um, talking about this 15-minute city thing. The line, it's out in uh, somewhere out in uh, Saudi Arabia that they're building. Have you heard of that? The line? Yeah, it is a massive line in the middle of the desert. It's supposed to be uh -huh. like 500 meters tall. Um, and it's just, it's like a 15-minute city. And they want to pack everybody into this line. And oh, oh, the city is in a line. Yeah, it's it? Neom. Uh, yeah, yes, I have seen that. They built it up, so it's got a lot of skyscrapers. Yes, and it's yeah. a real deal. Let me pull this up real quick. This is the yeah. current construction on it. They're building this thing. Oh, yeah. And but it, I want... Go ahead. Yeah, the, the sky... They're building really tall buildings. Right. I mean, like, yeah. And that and I, kind of scary. I got to looking at all, all these other projects. Now, Saudi Arabia says they're doing this because they they think their oil is going to run out at some point um, mm -hmm. and they want to have alternate income. So it's going to be like a lot of vacation places. The tour touristy you know? resort. Yeah. Craft, yeah. But if they, you know, the line is more like a, for you and me, that's not a tourist spot. That's no. like a place to pack people. Oh yeah. Um, and, and forced labor. You, you can't go anywhere. Basically it's what I'd say the cul-de-sac. It's a one way cul-de-sac. You, know, <laughs> yeah. you get in there, but you can't get out. Right, um, right. But um, so these Hotel other California. Places, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, these 15-minute cities, we won't be able to leave. And if we do, it'll be maybe once a year, uh, once every couple of years for a couple thousand mile air flight or whatever. But, but they're building these huge vacation fancy cities. So you know the elite aren't going to follow these rules. They don't oh, believe in this. Well, they never nonsense. follow. Yeah. It rules for thee, not for me. Uh, right. That's their MO. Uh, that's always, I mean... Because they're going to buy these uh, carbon offsets. And so, right, isn't that what uh, Al Gore always is about when he flies his fancy jet and he, you know, yeah. uh, spews all this uh, CO2 that's so dangerous. <laughs> um, but then he says, well, I bought, you know, all these carbon credits. So 
you know, I, I'm actually doing a lot of good for the planet and uh, I've bought so many more than what I've, you know, spent or I, I mean, it's, it's such nonsense. It doesn't even make any sense, but it's, it's, uh, it's the same as buying a bunch of lottery tickets that don't win. It's the, the exact same thing. It's just, uh, yeah, exactly. Throwing money away. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's what they wanted to do with the natural asset companies is they would uh, monetize via these carbon offsets and carbon uh, credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I spoke to the Senate, you know, I talked to them about how I think one of the keys to nipping all of this in the bud is to uh, ban any use of carbon. They call it carbon pricing. That's uh, the tax incentives. Um, you know, they, they just they rename everything. Uh, so it's carbon pricing and then the uh, carbon uh, uh, offsets. And, you know, I think this... Um rewilding of america and pushing people into 15 minute cities is all part of uh like you won't be able to own the land because then like i i own 45 acres and it's mostly wooded so Mm -hmm. my carbon offset i'm already carbon offset positive right uh but if they take that away from me they can monopolize on that right so they can say that they own it well with the natural asset companies, it's interesting because what they were doing is they didn't actually have to own the land. So they, they've created something called ecosystem management services. And so if they are invested in a NAC, it might be on your private land, let's say uh, in a conservation easement on your land. So you own the land, but that land has a conservation easement. So now they can determine how the conservation easement is managed and they can determine that you cannot farm or let's say it's very oil rich and you wanted to drill on it. They can say that you cannot drill on that land, but here's where it gets really, really sneaky and sinister. Uh, They could start drilling. So let's say uh, it's Saudi Arabia who owns this concert, this knack that happens to be on a conservation easement uh, that's on your land and it's very oil rich. Now they can determine that you cannot, uh, drill on that property because it's a violation of the uh, ecosystem management, uh, conservation, whatever regulations that they determine. Uh, but then they can. And what happens is that NAC gets delisted, but now they have rights to it anyway. It's about controlling rights. And so they can they can continue to drill on it. So now they're profiting off of your land and you have no say in it. So, so if China wanted some wood... Mm-hmm. They can go up and they owned uh, that portion that I could be on the land. I could live on the land and they yeah. can come take my trees. Yeah. It'd be kind of hard to squirrel hunt without trees. So this Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's just, it's, it's so ludicrous to think like that, that's, that that was even a concept. Um, but this is already, it's already reality in many countries around the world. I mean, that's part well, of what's going yeah, on here. Deb in chat, she says that um, there are already, what, where is it? There are already many mm-hmm. uh, conservation easements where she's at, especially mm-hmm. during deer hunting season. So mm-hmm. what does that mean? Does that mean that uh, you have to let people on your private property to hunt? Is that, that's how I'm taking it. Like, hey, during right. deer well, season. They, the NACs did not go through. So as of right now, you know. I mean, it could be state by state, though. They could have their own easements. Um, yeah, well, conservation easements are separate. So th- they're. Well, they're masters of Fabian socialist incrementalism. So what they do is they lay different, they lay the groundwork. This is why, you know, it is important, I think, at the local level to be aware of the bills that are being put forth because they may not really matter right now, but they're they're setting the foundation 
for a bigger agenda. And so that's something that the conservation easements did. This was back in 1980. There was the Conservation Act of 1980. Uh, this was under Reagan. This was put forth by the quote unquote Republican conservatives, if you will. Um, and it, it is part of this agenda. These conservation easements are, are part of it. So, but then they're not at the moment enrolled in NACs because the NACs, that whole deal did get withdrawn. That was a proposal done by the SEC and it was withdrawn uh, last month. So, well, that, that, that's it too. They, you know, the NACs and stuff, you know, people, a lot of people never heard about it. I know. So, and then, so people think it's a ludicrous, you know, conspiracy <laughs> theory when you try to tell them about it. So it doesn't pass the first time. But then when it comes back, people aren't paying attention to it because it's, well, that, that's just a conspiracy theory. Yep. And then well, they yeah. ran it down their throat. Or they'll yep. do it like over Christmas or during the Super yes, Bowl. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, just when like you're the all Federal Reserve. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Isn't that just like the Federal Reserve gave us our uh, income tax as a Christmas present? Yeah. And they had their meeting on Jekyll Island? Yeah, that's what they do. Just, uh, I wanted to show this map real quick while we're talking about government and land. Because uh, government's not supposed to have any land. They're, they're supposed no. to have uh, not in the U.S. United military bases. Um, what is it? Military bases, uh, Washington, D.C. And there's a third one I can't think of. But uh, like these whole national parks and stuff, not supposed to have it. So this is actually a, a proportion like the red would be how much of like Wyoming here. It's yep. it's the shape of Wyoming. But it, out west, when they, you know, we took all this land, the government really never gave it out like they're supposed to. Yeah. Um, but anyway, all the blue, though, what you're looking at, that's private land. Mm -hmm. I don't know. They want us off of there. I'm telling you. And they'll probably they do, do it through taxes. Well, it's part tax. of so the 30 by 30 agenda is, you know, uh, definitely already uh, underway via the American the Beautiful plan, uh, which is also part of Biden's 15 uh, year green economy agenda. Um, but. There is another plan, and it's called the Half Earth. And this was a, a book written by E.O. Wilson. And that is just an extension of this 30 by 30 agenda, where by 2050, only half of the Earth, water, and lands can be inhabited uh, or used by humans. And I don't think they, they plan to stop there. I mean, really, they want to create an AI world society, which will be, you know, a transhuman world leading to post-human world. And they're, they've already written several handbooks on post-humanism. So this is a whole movement. Um, this is not, you know, a crazy fringe conspiracy theory. Uh, this is an actual movement. I thought there was only one book on it. There are several. Uh, so there are people who call themselves post-humanists. And that's what they're. Well, I mean, they they talk about it. Their little Davos meetings and their, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, they yeah. they basically Davos was all about censorship. Um, the other one that that just went off the world's government summit, mm -hmm. they talked a lot about um, about AI. So yeah. which you know, and and AI and uh, transhuman stuff, they definitely. And you know what? They do this in the name of we got to save the planet. Oh, yeah. But have you seen this? This is what your government wants to do. This is David actually reported on this. I was, mm -hmm. was going to had it ready for today. Okay. Uh, these are the things they're doing. They're trying to do. I'll just yeah. roll down to, to what the uh, uh, marine cloud brightening. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's uh, Stardust Solutions. Yep. Um, and th that's an Israel startup uh, dumping lie in the ocean. Yep. Uh, you, they, they think that they can dump lie into the ocean 
and right. get the ocean to soak up some CO2. Well, what's that going to do to the fish? You know, yeah. the fish, they pull oxygen out of the water. Yeah. Um, they need the oxygen. Uh, or, you know, they're cloud seeding right here. They say yeah. that they don't do chemtrails, but here they they talk about it. You know, climate. I know. Uh, it's crazy to me I, mm -hmm. that people deny the existence of chemtrails. I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm like, do you just, you you want to believe me or your lying eyes? It's like you just look right. I like that's not what the sky looks like. I don't know about you, but when I grew yeah, up, well, that's the thing. The well, they, like. they they played this long game, and, and you know, they, so now it's gone on for generation, you know, a couple generations. So now people just go out and they see the sky. And they say right. it's always looked like that. Right. You know, we know that it didn't always look like that. It, right. It's you know the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they they want to also spray salt water into the air to make the clouds brighter or something but, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I, I know this sounds crazy but i'm telling you it's terraforming for something i actually tweeted that i tweeted that i think part of this whole nax and this agenda is about terraforming i i think and you know i think it's connected to their ai world society so i think they need they're going to need a place that they're already creating i mean we know about the fake meat the lab ground meat uh they now have fake salt uh, Bill Gates has, because uh, they've lied to yeah. everybody about salt and that salt is what causes high blood pressure. It's not. In fact, there are lots of studies that show that uh, high blood pressure is actually caused uh, or or correlated to um, dehydration, which would mean that actually salt would uh, be beneficial for those who have high blood pressure. I, I can confirm that because I am really bad about staying hydrated, mm -hmm. uh, especially when I was in the military. I developed high blood pressure. Um, I think it's more from EMF uh, ex overexposure, but um, that can definitely. But, yeah, uh, but I did notice it because I'd have to monitor my blood pressure quite often, mm -hmm. and um, if I was dehydrated, my blood pressure would be like sky high. But if I had been hydrating, it's lower. So, and the, and they even told me, uh, my doc even told me that, that that's a legit thing. Yeah. So, so what what helps you stay hydrated? Uh, salt. Yeah. Be thirsty. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean they they lied to us about that. So now they're uh, they're creating fake salt that yeah, Bill Gates has a which has no sodium in it apparently. So it's actually not salt. Um, but yeah, so the, I think they're that it is part of a plan to terraform. They they're also going to need a lot of space to you know create these AI world societies because I mean what's going to power them? Yeah, and you know uh, I don't think they buy into the whole. Anyway, because you're going to try to put everything into solar, right? Mm -hmm. uh, wind is so unpredictable, but solar, you know, the sun's going to be out half the time, you know, at in least certain some, places. I mean, not here in Iceland. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but I mean, why would you block the sun's rays if you're going solar? It doesn't make sense. You know, that, and that's what they're doing. They're putting this, uh, you know, aluminum uh oxide or whatever they're putting up in the sky to, to reflect and you know people thought we were crazy we talked about this a couple of years ago but they they write papers on it you know right they, they the, the limits of growth document right yeah, uh back yeah. in uh, 1972 this is where they uh really push this whole uh climate narrative and uh they back in their 1992 document it was uh, called global reformation and this is uh, of course again the club of rome and in that document they admitted 
that their 1972 docu document was propaganda. I mean, they didn't use that word, but what they said was that, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but essentially they said that nobody was going to buy this junk science because it was junk science, um, but that they, if they could figure out how to create a common enemy that people could rally behind, then they could get people on board. And Yeah, so an invisible enemy. Right. Well, no, they yeah. decided that the enemy of humanity was man. That's why you're the carbon they want to reduce. Oh, well, I would say for the people, the invisible enemy is, car uh, is global warming. Climate change. No, Climate change. no. Uh, they, but yeah, they, they, they said that the enemy of humanity was man because man is. So, of course, that's the narrative they've crafted. Man is destroying the planet. Man is the enemy. It's, uh, it's oh, not so carbon that's the enemy. That's why we're the carbon they want to reduce. Think about what emits carbon dioxide. It's humans. It's so so that, in the eighties, I, mm -hmm. in the 80s, I never would have thought I'd have to buy bottled water. Yeah. Right? So you, everybody, they get everybody on that kick. Every oh, and you know what? Now plastic bottles are no good for the world. Right. <laughs> so right. It's, it's a never-ending. Let's chase this. Jason, can you clip, clip on that uh, link I just sent you about? water uh, well yes, that's I'll not unrelated because apparently nestle was one of the partners in this uh intrinsic exchange group uh who were the ones that pushed for this uh sec ruling they partnered with the new york stock exchange so of course the new york stock exchange was double dipping here um but yeah. it was uh the intrinsic exchange group who were backed by uh, nestle was one of the sub partners actually and they were huge in uh you know this whole uh, water of a bottled water scam back in the 80s but it was uh, the intrinsic exchange group was backed by the rockefeller foundation um the ibd ibd labs uh Abadir ventures and Abadir ventures is an interesting company because they're a venture firm but they specialize largely in healthcare technology and i don't think that's unrelated at all a lot of uh this plan for this uh one world socialized government uh, is the control mechanisms is through this, uh, you know, biological data mining that they're doing and uh, the, all the tracking and surveilling. I think that's a large portion of what all of our, uh, you know, and I'm guilty of it, like our aura rings and our, you know, the Apple watches, all the smart technology. And uh, the other one was uh, ent entertaining ideas. I couldn't find anything about them. And then one of the uh, sub partners was the uh, World Wildlife Organization, which, of course, is the brainchild of Julian Huxley, who was one of the, uh, you know, found one of the uh, yeah, founders of UNESCO uh, or forerunners of UNESCO. And uh, he was a eugenicist and he was also uh, famously coined the term transhumanism in 1957. Although I think Max Moore is claiming that title. He claims that he coined it. Um, independently of Julian Huxley, but either way, that that's who Julian Huxley was, and uh, he's you know kind of the, the the World Wildlife Organization is one of his uh, brainchilds. So then that was a sub partner of this whole IBGR, of this whole uh, sorry intrinsic exchange group. Who do you were, know who the largest uh, freshwater aquifers are owned by? The Bush family. Ah, okay. Yeah. Is that a surprise? I mean, you know, no. <laughs> the control of everything. In, in... Let me read this here real quick. Okay. Uh, this is a billionaire T. Boone Pickens owned, and this is, a, I guess, an individual story, owned mm -hmm. more water rights than any other individuals in America, uh, oh. whenever that was, with rights over enough of the, uh, over the Agala Aquifer. 
mm. to drain approximately 200,000 acre feet or 65 billion gallons of water a year. But ordinary citizen Gary Harrington cannot collect uh, rainwater runoff on 170 acres of his private land. Now, I've seen this. I've seen this in California. Um, you know, they always have problems with water. Uh, water up there you know, they don't want to let some people use too much or whatever and then with the rainwater collection i know in when i lived in colorado when i was in colorado springs there um mm -hmm. my neighbor got super super excited because they finally allowed us to collect rainwater but only one barrel you could you can only collect one barrel so wow. i don't know what that was about but um in our town we were not allowed to collect rainwater until right after i moved there and uh you know mm -hmm. they, they tell you you got to keep your your grass green but don't use too much water. Okay, well, I'll collect rainwater. And I can't do that either. It's you know? crazy. So, yeah. so no, these, it's been around for a while. People always used to say, wait till they can find a way to, to uh, charge you for sunlight. So now, you know, carbon credits, it, it basically, how they're charging you, they got it all, you know, solar power. They're, they're charging you for sunlight right there. Well, I used to make the joke that they were going to uh, figure out how to commodify the air and regulate the air yeah. we breathe, and yeah. that that's literally what they're doing. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's all control. You can live a couple weeks without food, uh, then you die. You can live a couple days without water, then you die, and you you can live a couple minutes without air, without oxygen, and then you die. Right. So right. those are the three things you need to live. You need to air, food, and water. And they've Although, managed to I don't know that control. those numbers are exactly right. It's I actually, just a, yeah, it's, it's yeah. just a, a yeah. concept, you know. Well, so, yes, yeah, so you're saying you can live without food for a few days, but not with the food that they're making you now because it has no nutrients in it. <laughs> right, yeah. you, there's a, a chicken fast food restaurant that just partnered with a 3D printing company to make chicken nuggets. And I'm not going to say the name, but it used to be finger licking good. But I, I just can't imagine this 3D chicken is a finger looking good. It's well, I mean, none of it's real food anymore anyway. And and what's also really shocking is a, uh, you know, how uh, how much predictive programming soil and green seems to have been uh, oh, because yeah. they are putting a human cells in uh, into a lot of food. That's not yeah, good. It's really bad disease. It's disturbing. Yeah. To, I, I mean, it's disturbing on many levels. Yes. But that's um, the one thing I always I always reference that movie because the point where his, it was uh, Charlton Heston's father gets the jelly, you know, hey, tell me what this is. And he's licking the spoon. Yeah. This is what the world used to be like. And that's what we're getting to now. I always <laughs> see people, you know, uh, farm-raised fish and stuff doesn't taste like the fish we used to eat that was fresh from the water. It's right. not the same. It's garbage. Well, I mean, I had a, uh, like real uh eggs not too long ago i mean it was, what do you <laughs> i know i was like there it's so different i mean even the color of the yolk is completely yes. different. um i tried raw milk I, it's I like that's what uh, different. I, I wanted to talk about this a little bit too maybe we can uh jump over to the climate uh stuff that like mm -hmm. the, what europe's going through with the farming because this yeah. is what i'm what i'm seeing is going to happen to us, you know, they want us to eat this lab grown meat and this fake milk and the, you know, fake salt. Um, yeah. But, you know, the solution is to grow your own food, right? But they're making that like you're going to have to pay some kind of carbon offset to do that. Yeah. They're going to make it impossible. Uh, they want the control. It's all about the control. Well, this is, uh, I mean, this is why I was trying to stress the importance of people understanding how much we have to push back on the NACs because most of these countries where you're seeing what's happening with the farmer, they already have NACs. So they really, yeah. they have no control over their land. That's already there. Um, you know, and I, 
I, I get very frustrated because a lot of people are saying how, oh, they had this huge win and they're pushing back, but their win is like, okay, now we get to use like more pesticides and more toxins, but we'll be able to actually do something on our land. Well, That's not a win in my opinion. Uh, what they need to do is just ignore it, nullify it. Yeah. Everybody just do what you do. And someone comes around, I'm sorry, but it takes your local, um, you know, your local sheriffs, whatever your local authority is yeah. um, to just nullify and say, well, I'm not uh, enforcing that. You know, we've got the precedent. We've already had the precedent here set in the United States. Uh, You know, we did it with DACA. Oh, I'm just Mm -hmm. not going to I'm just not going to enforce the law. Right. We did it with sanctuary cities for Mm -hmm. uh, illegals. We did it with marijuana as a big one. It's still federally illegal. It's a schedule one drug. But many, many states have said, you know what? You're not going to be able to enforce it in our state. We can do that with land rights, too. So we got to get the local people hired in. That's what we got to do. Right. But going back to the food, like even the fresh eggs, you know, they can't stop you from having the chickens and getting your eggs, but they mess with the feed, which we know yeah. from certain people, yeah. you know, that have talked about that. It, your, the egg production goes down and, you know, who knows what they're putting in the feed. I know. I, I actually looked into that. Um, I had people telling me from different parts of the country that they were using the, the Purina and they didn't have any problems. Uh, but I think it's where, uh, I guess, where it's created, whatever plant. But uh, Handy did it. He actually did a control where he was feeding um, his birds, uh-huh. like completely separated the birds. He was feeding them uh, so a different brand, and then the other he okay. was feeding the Purina. And then these over here stopped laying, and mm-hmm. these over here started laying, and then he changed yeah. the food, and they did the exact opposite. So there was obviously something in the feud. Sure. Uh, the farm store that he was getting his food at, uh, the, every single person that was shopping there, uh, buying their feed there, was reporting they were having problems uh, with their mm. egg laying. So there was something yeah. there to it. Yeah. I I looked into it, and what it turns out is uh, they didn't change the recipe. They said nothing had changed in the recipe, but what they did was they sourced one of the ingredients from a new a new source. Uh, so it's possible that that you know, and maybe it was just a limited quantity of it that was produced. I don't know. Okay. Um, but. But there was something there to that egg thing, you know. I don't. It wasn't necessarily nefarious, right? Uh, but there was something there. Yeah, I, I don't know enough to know what specifically happened there, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I I know I'm I'm building this shed out here. It's a, a workshop. Okay. And I, and I'm gonna wall it off, and I'm trying I'm gonna try to do indoor growing on one. Wait, where are you located? Uh, Missouri. Okay. Yeah. 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 Great. So right here by Fort Leonard Wood. Okay. And, Great. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna try doing that. Um, that way, I can try to grow year round. I don't know. It's the electricity is gonna be kind of crazy, but uh, you sure. know, the cost of food is crazy. Yeah, crazy. I might be able to save the money at the store. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, uh, you know, it might get to the point where, like, the, the only people who will really survive and have any kind of autonomy are people who can be self-sustaining. So. They're, they're trying to overreach and control in whatever way possible. I think, you know, for the people who they're, they're working several different angles and, you know, some of it is to price people out and that we mm-hmm. obviously see through the inflation and, uh, you know, things are, the food is so expensive. But then I think for other people, it's, it's just the quality, it becomes half of what's in the store is not food. I mean, it's literally not right. edible. You know, I, I always point to seed oils are in everything. 
And it's literally canola oil is Canadian uh, national oil. And it was originally called rapeseed oil. That's what it is. It's rapeseed oil. But that was not a very popular name. And it comes out of World War II. It was World War II artillery grease. That is not edible. And it is now in everything we eat, like everything. Um, well, I get I get worried um, because I, we have already reported on this, but they, they can get the mRNA to grow in cabbages. I know. Like they, um, they, and they're already doing it, which is really concerning. They are yeah. already doing it. Um, yeah, actually, uh, Elon Musk's boring company was involved in some of that, the, mm -hmm. the vertical farming, um, you know, certainly not the only one. There are many of them. But yeah, they're and they're working on uh, uh, like self disseminating uh, vaccines. Yes, well, they, through food. we've covered that. Uh, ticks, <laughs> mosquitoes. Yeah, um, yeah, it's crazy. And they, they they basically want. So these are people that we're talking about here, folks. These are people who are on record saying we need to dramatically reduce the population of the earth. Yeah, and these are the same people saying they want you vaccinated with every vaccine. <laughs> everywhere for your health well and i mean bill gates famous ted talk where he talked about how we could reduce the population mm -hmm. uh, 11 percent via vaccines and, yes. uh, and reproduction control so essentially like birth control and yeah yeah so they're getting and, uh, the, the best of both worlds there they're, they're eliminating reducing the population and profiting at it at the same time yeah. and controlling the rest of us so that's really they want to create a technocratic corporate corporatocracy where it's a neo-feudal system so yes. they will have full control over everybody and it's much easier to control a smaller population yeah. than it is at, you know eight billion people so and uh once once you know everyone's working on brain chips now once you got the brain chip uh if, if it's perfect control because i could just turn your chip off and you die you yeah know. although you know i really I, people get very uh, worked up about the whole brain chips and uh, the idea of direct uh, you know inter interferon brain control um but i and not that they shouldn't be concerned about that obviously you know there's a neural link just had uh, they just did their uh you know live test case um they there's also blackrock has their own version of it like the neurotech I mean, there's many variations of this, and it's obviously, and in Sweden, they, they did one, and uh, there, there are already tons of people who have already opted in for that. Um, but I think beyond that, people need to be concerned just about AI in general, because we already are seeing the effects of cybernetics. And this is a concept that's been written about for decades. This is not new. Uh, but just the you know way that we interface with our current technology and the constant screen time has already changed our neurology, our neurochemistry, um, and the way that we function, interact, and the uh, process material. So we are already having a cybernetic, which is you know a transhuman effect to some degree. And that is just a byproduct of the way that we interact with our technology. And that, that has nothing to do with any chips being implanted in us. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, take someone's cell phone away, a teenager's cell phone yeah, away. That, that's your transhumanism is your yeah. your, your black mirror. Is that's Yeah, right. Well, there's also more to it than that. Um, uh, but the EMF, we've done a lot, a lot of reporting on EMF. And it's just crazy how much that actually affects your brain. Uh, yeah. Different frequencies do different things. Well, yeah, you just look but, at the MK Ultra studies, yeah. and I mean, they had all of these experiments where they could do literal mind control uh, through sound waves and light waves and uh, EMF uh, pulse. So, 
And the, what do you think dues are? The directed energy yeah. weapons? Yeah. At the very least, they, they can alter your mood. We know this because we've studied it. Yes. Anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, this all related yes. to EMF totally. overexposure. Yep. Um, but anyway, people need to get educated. Um, yeah. And you had something. I want to talk about this real quick. But let me say hi to people real quick. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. My mom is watching oh, on Facebook. Oh, uh, hey, mom. Nice. And oh, by the way, let me bring this up real quick. Uh, we have a situation, a couple situations going on in the family. We could use prayers um, for those oh. individuals. So okay. uh, I don't want to put out what the, the issues are this sure. is for their privacy, but please yeah. pray for uh, for a couple of my family members. Um, mm. Anyway, over in, uh, you want to do the the ones for, uh, for the other Rock one? Rock I mean, uh, Rumble? Yeah, Rumble. Yeah. We got Deb McCartney in there. Little John is in there. Karen Carpenter is in there. Guard Goldsmith, who's heading out right now. Raul uh, is in there a little, hey. bit, a little bit ago. Risha M. Opossum King. Providence Winds. Assyrian Girl is in there under her uh, other name, Molly Brown Dog. <laughs> if I missed anybody, hey. Um, oh, Anne's in there. I don't know if I mentioned yeah. her. And um, you and I are in there. Yeah, and then Raul was in there as well. Yeah, point. I got him. He's, he's... Okay. And then over on uh, on Free World, that's our radio station, uh, I'm in there, of course, Rat Salad Review. What's up, buddy? And then we got two people who haven't said a name. So it says Fancy Civilian and Fancy Local. Kind of auto-generates a name unless you go <laughs> Okay. Kind of that's cool. But, yeah, anyway, let's let's talk about what you, you said this is going to air today. Uh, yeah, this, today yeah, and tomorrow, I believe, yeah. Okay, uh, so, so what's going on with this uh, education? So uh, that is uh, Tiffany Boyd and Sandy Henson. And uh, Tiffany has a foundation. It's a ministry called Free Your Children. And uh, her that is her mission is uh, to educate people about education, the history of education. And uh, her organization does, uh, uh, it is national. Uh, they uh, have people all over the country who are targeting tackling some of these issues but of course she also uh, focuses on what's going on locally and to raise awareness of course to some of the bills that they're trying to push forth and uh, we live in Tennessee and Bill Lee our governor has been uh, pushing something called the Education Freedom Scholarship Act and of course this sounds lovely people love the words like freedom and like choice and uh, this is really a marketing effort i think i tweeted this uh maybe it was last week uh but i said how oftentimes people think about different uh you know uh, political affiliations or they think of ideologies things like conservative liberal uh you know, neoliberal, all these different terms. And they think about them in terms of ideolo ideologies and philosophical constructs. And this is not to say that there's no uh, philosophy or ideology embedded in these terms or his historically, at least. Um, however, you know, firstly, I, I would encourage people to understand that, you know, when you have philosophies, there are many philosophers who put forth this school of thought. They do not all agree with each other 100%. That just is not possible. Uh, so there's lots of nuance. And, uh, you know, this is something that comes up and there seems to be a modern iteration of this uh, enlightenment versus counter-enlightenment debate that I see uh, that's, you know, increasingly prevalent in this country. And uh, there's a, a growing faction of the right who will say the enlightenment is the problem. And 
to them. I say, uh, which enlightenment, you know, the French enlightenment, the German enlightenment, the British enlightenment, which particular enlightenment thinker? Because I was a philosophy major and I can tell you that like, that's a lot to keep track of and I don't have it all straight. So, you know, which enlightenment specifically? So that's just an example. Um, but what I said was, I think more often than not in application, what you see with these labels is really, they are target audiences for marketing. So, you are now seeing, and this is a very long, uh, uh, you know, history, and it's a, an agenda because, again, these are Fabian socialists, uh, and, and those who are not adopt this uh, this technique, this strategy of incrementalism. And uh, this is why the Fabian socialist mascot was the tortoise, slow and steady wins the race, and their uh, coat of arms was the wolf in sheep's clothing. So this is all about the Hegelian dialectic, essentially. You know, they put forth something that looks, you know, like sheep's clothing, and it's very friendly, and it's a very enticing to people. And in this case, school choice is very enticing to people on the political right. And Charlotte is a bit, I don't have the book with me, but it's like an 800-page tome. Uh, it's a 450-page book, but then she has an appendix and a glossary, uh, which is very, very extensive. And that is almost 400 pages itself. Um, and uh, she was uh, she worked under the Reagan administration, and her book is called uh, Deliberately Dumbing Down America. So she did phenomenal work. She was really a whistleblower. Her father happened to be Skull and Bones. I wish I had the books with me. They're in the other room. Um, but uh, the uh, her father was Skull and Bones. And another really great resource on this material would be Anthony Sutton. He wrote a book called The Order of Skull and Bones. And he has a one third of that book is about how the order controls education. And uh, he talks about, again, the Hegelian dialectic. Another really great resource would be John Taylor Gatto. And he talks about the, the dumbing down of America. I forgot the exact name of that book, but it was very similar to uh, the dumbing down, the deliberate dumbing down of America. And so what you're seeing, sorry, this is so long-winded, but there is a really long history. And people think that this is just coming up now and they hear freedom and choice, and particularly on the right. And, you know, even some on the left, they get very excited about this. But what they don't understand is we have choice. Uh, you know, uh, those of you who subscribe to a biblical worldview, uh, you know, they, they believe that God endowed us with free will. We have choice. And part of that choice is to uh, educate and teach children, our children, as we see fit. And that is not uh, a, a government uh, mandate. That is not a government even responsibility. This is a huge, uh, I think, misconstrual that a lot of people believe that it's the government's responsibility. Now, the government, depending on the various state constitutions, this actually came up, and you can hear us talk about it on this uh, radio show we did, because uh, we did go and visit the state capitol and talk to many of the representatives and senators about this Education Freedom Scholarship Act that we think is a huge problem. They're putting forth uh, several bills, but right now it's just a caption bill. So, of course, the exact verbiage is not there, and I think this is a, a very you know, a uh, manipulative way to handle the public because what they keep telling us is, well, the exact verbiage isn't there. We don't know exactly what's in the bill. And to that, I say, I don't really care. The exact wording is not really important to me. I'm opposed to government school choice. We have school choice. They want, and Charlotte Isabitton wrote this out, uh, you know, decades ago, they wrote this out very clearly. You look at the documents of the UN, uh, UNESCO, um, of course now, you know, the, the World Economic Forum, but all of these different organizations, and they talk about taking control. They're using education to create what they call global citizenship. 
And this is all about brainwashing children. You know, it's the distinction between uh, education. I I wish I had the quote in front of me, but there's like, uh, you know, educating used to be to cultivate the skills and talents of the child. And then it was only 10 years later that they redefined it to mean, uh, you know, the it, I, I'm going to paraphrase, but essentially it was all about like the, the firing of neurons and the, the neurological activity, which is perfect priming for transhumanism, right? Because now it's all about this tech ed and how technology impacts the child. And they're doing a lot of tech ed through SEL, which is social emotional learning. Um, but in any case, the large part of what's going on here is they want to, they already have control over the public education and the students who are in it. They want to be able to control and target. And again, John Taylor Gatto, uh, Charlotte Isabitton wrote about this decades ago and in their own documents, it's there. You know, you look at the UNESCO documents and the NEA and all of these, uh, you know, uh, anachronism agencies. And they talk about how they want to uh, have full control over every child. So that means they need to target the private school and the homeschoolers. And that's really what we were opposed to. And that's why we were talking to them about this school choice, because it's government school choice. It's not school choice. It's limiting choice, actually. Very misleading. What I wanted to talk about the education system, even if we went back to teaching, reading, writing, arithmetic, right? If that's what we went back to teaching. Sure. It's still, uh, it, well, I interviewed uh, John Kleisick. I think you know him. Yeah, he's wonderful. Order. We're going to do another yeah. show. Um, yeah, I cool. thought we had done two shows, and I was saying that, and I was looking, and he's like, I think you're thinking of the Cause Fest, because I did this event. It's called Cause yeah. Fest. And he yeah. was like, I think that's what you're thinking of. He's like, but I'd love to do another show. I'm like, okay. So he said he's writing an article right now, but when he's done with that, he'll come on. Nice, so, nice. Yeah. But he he lays it out real well about yeah. the education system and how yeah. we're, we're basically – there's one model they want us to fit into yeah. and and that's and w- where i really really hate the education system the, is that if your kid does not fit into that model to become a good citizen uh they're deemed to have mental problems mm-hmm. so then they get uh drugged on all mm-hmm. these drugs and yep. we've seen it with adhd uh i mean how every teenage girl now has depression and anxiety and they put them on the so now you're teaching the kids that uh, drugs fix everything you know, not so that's only are you doing that, but now you're. It, it's very multi-layered because one, they're creating there. There's a, a record that now follows these kids, so yes. they now have a label that marks them, and that will impact them for the rest of their lives, especially in this whole bio-digital convergence surveillance world, because they mm-hmm. will have you know the scarlet letter A on their record forever that they have ADHD, they're anxious, depressed. And, and of course, what's going to happen when they're going to try, try and target uh, the Second Amendment is all of these children yeah. will not be eligible to uh, protect themselves and to be uh, ha- participate in their Second Amendment rights. Um, so and that's part of what's going on. Part of it, they're also perpetuating these problems. We have copious studies that show that these SSRIs do not uh, cure uh, anxiety, depression, they, in fact, in many cases, cause yes. it. Um, yes. So now you're perpetuating problems or in some cases even creating problems that did not exist, that were just a result of uh, behavioral uh, you know, coping mechanisms to deal with this Prussian militarized system that they've created that is not natural, that is counterintuitive to most 
of uh, most children, actually. Um, you know, there's some who handle it better than others, but most do not. And so this is a, a, a reaction to it. And of course, boys manifest it differently. Not always, you know, this is just a general uh, statement, but you know, statistically speaking, boys tend to react one way. They tend to be much more hyperactive and they, they learn better by, right? Yeah. And so what do they get labeled with ADHD or ADD? And uh, of course, we numb them out with these stimulants, which create mm -hmm. a whole hoax of other. Now, not only that, not only do they create problems, but they also become, a, a, it's a great business model for big pharma. And they're, they're now dependent and they also develop other problems because there is no pharmaceutical that does not have some sort of side effect. And this is not something that they inform you when they put you on these drugs. They don't say, hey, this is the long list. Although when you watch the commercials, they do. You, you may, you know, nausea, vomiting, uh, headaches. Uh, yeah. You may die. But please talk which, to what, what, what's, what's their other yeah. side effects? Might cause depression or thoughts of suicide. Or so, so how do you make it better? Right, exactly. It's crazy. So, uh, there, so they cause all of these problems. And uh, I, w what was the other one that I was going to say that part of what they're doing with this? Uh, oh, is uh, they, they want to create. Um, so when you go back and you look at the history of this, I, I would really say a lot of this starts with Wilhelm Bunt. And uh, he was a psychologist. He was known as kind of like the grandfather of psychology. Uh, but most of the modern education system has been... It, exported via Wilhelm Wundt. It was uh, called the Leipzig Connection. That was a, a I think, 155-page book that was uh, by Lance and Leone, and they coined this term, the Leipzig Connection. But they outline, I mean, Wundt was very heavily influenced by Hegel. So again, this was, you know, really interesting because when I went to go speak uh, to some of our representatives, some of the senators and uh, representatives uh, last week, uh, I was told that I was using big words and terms that they had never heard of. And uh, one of them was the Hegelian dialectic because they have this mindset. And this is just really interesting. I, I've said this a few times in some ways, just in our state, I actually think we'd be better off if we had a Democrat governor and a Republican legislator legislature because they are so fixated in this mind frame where they believe that, and they kept saying it they said well they're the bad guys the democrats we're good they're the bad guys so they think any bill that's coming from the quote-unquote republicans has to be good and i was and i tried that's this is where i tried to explain to him that's how this is how the hegelian dialectic works and it's why it's so effective you know the heritage foundation was largely instrumental in carrying out i mean they they created nafta like they and they were largely instrumental in overseeing the nea uh so was tavistock as well but that's a whole nother can of worms um but they're supposed to be the conservative think tank right uh but they were kind of one of the uh you know they were they had a lot of connection to Tavistock and that was very intentional to create controlled opposition think tanks. So people think, oh, it's conservative or it's Republican and therefore it must be good. Now, you know, this happens on the left, too. However, the right tends to be more of the target audience because uh, the left is, a, you know, already has the collectivist mindset. And this is the thing that if people understand Hegelian philosophy, there were the young Hegelians, the old Hegelians. So there's the left-right Hegelian philosophy. They both have the same roots. And the ultimate overarching theme is that it, the, the state is all-powerful. The state equals God for Hegel. 
And so they use both sides to create this spiral type effect that goes to the omega point. The omega point is the all-powerful state. State equals God. And so people really need to understand that. And I tried to bring this up with uh, them, and it, it was just really fascinating. They got, you know, very... I did. I thought the conversation went, you know, very well. And I, I was like, okay, we'll just do a really quick recap and, you know, give a little history lesson. And uh, uh, unfortunately, I was then later told that uh, the girl, they, they didn't know my name. So they just said the girl in the black fur coat, I was very cold in there. So I had my coat on, um, is bad and is not allowed back. And I actually confronted oh, the guy because we heard, wow. I heard from several people. Um, I actually called him and confronted it. Um, and I asked him, I said, you know, I, I was informed that you said I was bad and I was not allowed back and uh, you were speaking ill of me. And I, I'd like to know why I thought our conversation went really well. And, uh, you know, I'm not really clear on where your problem is, uh, with me. And of course he, you know, played, he feigned ignorance and just told me that, you know, he had a wonderful time and he welcomes me back. Uh, I, I do have that recording. So, uh, you know, yeah, he, I, I will be going back. <laughs> but now you, I know. You tried to look behind the curtain. That was, you know, you wanted to see the wizard. That was your yes. mistake. <laughs> right. but this is exactly why I do not, you know, they, there, there is no such thing as a two-party system. There is no left <laughs> and right. No, it's, it's, it's a left and girl. right brain right brain people and this is how we get to those people and this is how we get to those people but all like you said it comes back to the government is the all-powerful oz that's you the whole it. thing it, it, maybe the wizard of oz was predictive programming uh, i i think in many ways it was i mean i think it was largely about the uh you know uh how we were taken off of the gold standard um i think it was uh, in fact yeah. i did an interview uh and we with a guy who did a, a like a a series for children and he goes through that it was called like attack of the blue meanies and he goes through the wizard of oz and how it really was kind of a, a messaging uh, about the mm -hmm. uh, financial system so that's why it's a yellow brick road you know mm -hmm. gold. What yeah the flying exactly. monkeys represent because i really didn't like them bankers the what? <laughs> the flying monkeys. That's the bankers. Oh yeah. Well, I, yeah. That that's another one, right? The the creature creature from Jekyll Island. Island. Yeah. I don't know where I have that book somewhere here. Um. But yeah, I interviewed uh J. Edward Griffin. He was my uh, episode three hundred. I'm hoping I'm gonna get another one with him in a few months. Uh, we did it in person. He's wonderful. I mean, he's truly a legend. I I asked him. My first question was, how did the OG red pill guy get red pilled? <laughs> so. Yep. Yeah, I, I like how you explained it. Uh, we de it is false choice. It's an illusion of choice. Yeah. Um, with Sorry, that was so long-winded, but yeah. No, it's, but it, it, it describes the process used for a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. a lot of things. Exactly. Uh, and uh, education being one, uh, because I know you can still homeschool your kids, um, but the depending but you, on the state, the, there's different rules, you know, and they have to have approved criteria and you Not know. only that, in most states, they still have to have uh, regulated testing. So even right. if you homeschool. So then, of course, you have to. And Charlotte has written wrote about this like decades ago. So if you were if you were going to teach your kids, you're teaching them to pass these tests. So, of course, you're going to be inadvertently, whether you want to or not, you're going to end up indoctrinating them because exactly. you have to, yeah. it's a false choice and yeah. i mean it's better homeschooling is going to be better sure but, and, and if you don't um then they come after you uh, for neglect you know they try to take your kids away and stuff oh this was crazy so they were telling me that they have to for homeschooler they they have to address truancy and i'm like how how are your kids truant i mean 
if they're at home, like, do they not wake up that morning? Were they not home? I mean, they're not truant if they're homeschooled. They're there. That's it's so ludicrous. One of the other ones too that just drove me bonkers. And when I had heard that they they weren't pleased with me, I thought for sure it was this guy, but it it wasn't because uh, we we had just left him. It was too soon for him to even have talked to anybody. Um, but he kept bringing up the state constitution. And he kept saying, well, no, we're required, according to the Tennessee Constitution, uh, to mandate uh, education for everyone. And I said, you know, where does it say that? What is the verbiage? Because you keep referencing, you keep referencing the Tennessee Constitution. And I said, so I, I eventually kind of pushed back on him because there's a huge difference between, uh, you know, providing an opportunity, which is what public school does. Uh, versus mandating and ensuring specific education for all children. And uh, I, so he kept pushing back on me on this. And I said, he said, no, 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 we're just required to by the state constitution. And I said, you know, uh, forgive me, but I am going to push back on this. I would like to see the actual verbiage uh, so that we can all see what wording is it in the Tennessee constitution that you keep referencing. And he pulls it up. And of course, there's nothing in the constitution that stipulates this. It says, it does say there needs to be made uh, equal opportunity. And I, I'm paraphrasing, that wasn't even the wording there um, but something that you know they, they need to ensure there is an opportunity uh, for the government to provide education and that that is already there they can enroll in public school they have that choice um, but it does not say that they must mandate specific education for all students and that they need to ensure that they're being educated that is not stipulated in the constitution so this was very very frustrating because this is a you know very convenient misinterpretation of the verbiage that is in the document so hey deb said um they they homeschooled what was it four children mm -hmm. and they never they never once had to test uh, certain were, states i don't know what yeah. state they're in but yeah that's uh, what i was saying the the state's gonna um have different rules well but this is this is the problem because you know they, they again this is how the hegelian dialectic works is that they i think they create honeypots and so People tend to think of like Tennessee as being a red state. They would think they'd have more freedom. But in terms of homeschooling, we actually have less freedoms than most. I wouldn't say most, but like a lot of other states. And it's because you really have you have independent homeschooling. And this was another thing that, you know, we argued because uh, they were saying, OK, well, if we take, uh, you know, independent homeschoolers out of the document, you know, out of the Education Freedom Scholarship uh, Act, uh, will you be satisfied? And of course we're not, because first of all, that means homeschooling uh, parents are still paying taxes towards this mm -hmm. bill, even though they are not reaping any of the benefits of it. They're not taking the money. Um, but two, we don't, because of course you're going to leave the independent homeschoolers out. Independent homeschoolers, again, is very fancy marketing and it's very deceptive because those students in Tennessee are not truly independent. They have to report. So they're still subject to all of these, uh, you know, the the uh, testing. They're still subject to all these wellness checks. Uh, the medical, they still have to do, you know, certain number of vaccinations and all of this. Uh, so they're not truly independent at all. Uh, and then the ones that do have the most freedom would be Category 4, uh, which, you know, fall under the religious exemption umbrella. However, they have these umbrella organizations and they are subject to government regulations. So it's tr really not truly independent either. And I know in some states, like I've heard in Illinois from people who have moved there, from there, 
And they, you don't think of that as a freedom state, quote unquote, right? But they, but parents there have told me they do, when they homeschool, they do not have to answer at all. They opt out completely. And that's what homeschooling should mean is that the parents school, therefore they are in charge of their children, wellness checks, their uh, medical schedules, their uh, testing and, you know, the, the curriculum. It should not be the government. If you're homeschooling, it should be homeschool. So. Here's an interesting um Karen Carpenter, um, mm. she says the states must get some funding attached to homeschooling uh, attendance if they're concerned about it. So, you know, having to have, uh, you know, how many kids do you have? How many days? There must be some money there. Um, I, I think my solution uh, is if, you know, by why, state. Wait, why must there be money there? Are there is she uh, saying because there? if they're if they're worried about attendance, you know, how many kids are actually attending homeschool? Yeah. Why would they True. worry about that? truancy the truancy portion oh yeah truancy is all about money and i i pointed that out i i said that to this uh you know he he happens to be the uh chairman of the uh um education committee and i I said that to him i said well yeah truancy is all about money and there's there's because there's no truancy if you're at home if the child is there like they're they're there (laughs) yeah maybe they weren't paying attention their mind was somewhere else yeah i I think I think the solution, and I've heard people say that, you know, hey, I I pay taxes uh, for education, but I homeschool my kids, so I, I think I should get a tax credit. Um, you know, you get some kind of, uh, I, no, no, because strings always come attached with money. They take yeah. your money, and then they give it back to you with strings attached. Yep, uh, exactly. So, uh, it's like, there no, should be, keep your money. There should be no, t- yeah. Yeah, exactly. you shouldn't even give them the money in the first place. So exactly. I, I think there should be incentives, uh, and you could do this probably by county, um, however you're, you're property taxes collected, you know, do again on the local level, if you, you can say, Hey, you're, you're exempt from, uh, from paying this portion of your property tax, which goes to schooling, which is probably about half. If you look at your tax bill, right. Um, in some places it's more than half and Mm -hmm. and we have the worst educated kids like in the world now, you know, with all that money. That changed starting in 1930s. And that's when this agenda was really rolling out because of course, you know, uh, uh, John Dewey, uh, you know, started the early 1900s. So, um, yeah. And it, it, Wilhelm Wundt was the, the Leipzig connection was in the late 1800s. So yeah, it was around 1930 where this agenda really took, uh, took hold and yeah, we saw a huge impact. I, well, I think this would be something we could do because we can do it on a local level. I think um, so too. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, Hey, if you homeschool your kids, you don't have to pay the, this, half of your property tax and that'll incentivize people to do it. It also takes the burden off of them, but of course, you know, they don't want, they want to have that burden uh, at the they high do. level, but maybe yeah. down at your County level, you know, you might be able to get some good people in there say, Hey, no worries. Going to go ahead and, uh, and, and let you homeschool your kids. And uh, we're not going to take your money. I think that would be a good solution. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I'm there, you know, trying to, uh, you know, I'm getting involved locally uh, on, on these issues because I do think, you know, people ask me all the time, can we stop the UN? Can we stop the WHO? Can we stop all these big organizations, these NGOs, these globalist NGOs? And, you know, my response is, I don't really think we can, to be honest, unfortunately. But what we can do is we can create local sanctuaries yeah. and we can, yeah, make, we can put exactly. sanctions against them and put uh, bulwarks so that it doesn't encroach on the, at the local level. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if those local communities uh, become state communities, yep, then we can start talking about defunding 
you know, yes, the UN exactly. groups. You know. And, uh, you know, various states can set precedents. I, I had people yeah. in other states following what I was doing with the NACs because they were saying that, you know, they were used, they were hoping I could Im- effectuate change here that would set a precedence in their state uh, to yeah. follow. So that'd be, it'd be nice if that happens. I, I, my biggest fear is uh, they control the food, you know, they control the water. Isn't that what, uh, isn't that what yeah. Kiss- Kissinger said? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, I think Rockefeller anyway, too. But yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about this. Uh, what was it called? We talked about it for for a little bit. It's the top of your picture. It shows you in like uh, what is that? The little ring. Oh yes, the, little, yeah. the, the lira. I think that one was pocket lira. But yeah. Yeah. What was this event? This um that happened last year? Kind of tell us about what that's about. And are you planning on doing another one? We are. We are currently in the process of seeking some sponsorship. Uh, it is called uh, Rebels for Cause. We, we called it the Cause Fest. And Cause stands for Creative Artists Uniting for the Sovereignty of Everyone. Uh, so I was a actress and a producer, uh, both the film and theater production and uh, acting, performing. And I'm an aerial acrobatic performer. And so I know both from personal experience as well as my extensive research on uh you know, certainly uh, Tavistock, I've done a lot of deep dives on that. But just in general, they use the arts for the purposes of culture creation and, and socially engineering the masses. Mm-hmm. And that's very evident. And they do it because it's very, very effective. And I wanted to provide a platform to independent creative artists because I think they're a huge uh, defense against uh, this uh, degenerate culture. Not to say that I agree with every independent artist or that, you know, that I think that uh, yeah, you know, they're certainly not all aligned, but I think they're the people who typically are the analogy I use are more likely to color outside the lines and do so in a way that is beautiful, interesting, compelling, and uh, enticing. And so that makes them pretty dangerous. And I think that that's uh, we need to give them a platform because oftentimes, uh, you know, I made the joke that they in order to succeed in Hollywood, the music industry, you have to bargain with the devil. And uh, I I think that that was not so uh, metaphorical. (laughs) I think that might have been kind of literal. Uh, So I I wanted to provide an opportunity where they could uh, be true to themselves and have independent, authentic platforms. So that's what we did. We had 53 acts. So it was 26 and a half hours of content uh, that is up on our channel. I think we are, we still have to put up my aerial performances, but I did two aerial performances. We had tons of comedians and musicians and filmmakers and artists and uh, lots of panel discussions. And of course, uh, we had lots of speakers as well. So mostly freedom mind, freedom minded, independent um, thought leaders. So uh, you're you're right on the on the whole entertainment industry, though. And, and I've seen it with um, actors. You're like, where did this actor go? You know, they were so great. And it turns mm-hmm. out that they didn't want to align with a certain mindset. Maybe yep. maybe they weren't uh, LGBTQ. Maybe they didn't like abortion uh, right. and they spoke up about it. And then they just get like shunned from the industry. Yeah. And a lot of times they got to go do their own stuff. They start producing their own stuff. And then that's, they try to shut that down. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So I think it is, there's something there if they think it's that dangerous, you know, to be a Christian. You right. Know, or who was who the one guy, uh, I forget what he played in. He might've been the bad guy in Walking Tall, the one with Rock. Um, but he wouldn't do any sex scenes. Well, with, right. Because he was married. Um, mm-hmm. He's still, he's still kicking. He's still uh, doing movies and stuff, but it's very okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think that was the dude. Um, 
But anyway, what do you got, Angus? Uh, nothing. My uh, Mrs. Melissa Mustang just brought up a good point. Our our oldest child who scored very high in schools and in Connecticut, they have the mastery test, which, you know, the, the higher the school scores, the better funding they get or, you know, whatever cut of the tax dollars, which is weird. Do you think the lower schools would need more money? Uh-huh. So it, she was having issues being bullied by a teacher and a couple kids. And sure. so she decided she was going to um, homeschool herself. You know, she I went to Keystone University online and they fought with us to let her do that because they were more worried about losing her good scores on the Connecticut mastery yeah. test, which in that that's you know, what it was all about. And her problem was she said, you know, she was in honors classes and kids were messing around in the class and then the teacher would get mad at everybody and give them more work or whatever. And she said there was nothing. The teacher did nothing about stopping the kids that were causing the problem. Yeah, sure. So that's I, she got, and we went to this meeting and the principal wanted us to name names. Who is the teacher who, you know, we ain't got to tell you. And it, I yeah. don't tell you anything. I mean, I pay for my kid to come here and you're right. not providing the education. So right. does uh, Connecticut have a uh, like school choice where you can choose one of multiple schools? Um, are you, are you, you know, district, your district or your, whatever your zone, you have to go to this. No, I mean, school. you can go to uh, tech schools and stuff like that instead of the high school, but okay. there's, you know, you're going to pay extra for that. Well, see, that's, uh, you know, uh, one model I've heard of is letting people choose any school they want. And, sure. and then the money, the money that comes down is based on the scores. That way uh, the people who aren't able to teach the kids don't, don't get the money and then the kids go to different schools, you know, or you get a different administration in there to run the school. Um, I don't know. That was one, one model. So that this I heard is before. interesting because uh, when I was in sixth grade, um, so I obviously didn't know, you know, what I know now, uh, but when I was in sixth grade, I created a board for school choice. And it was because I grew up in a town that didn't have a high school. And so I was only al- allowed to go to one public school. You know, I mean, I could go to private school. I could go to, you know, other uh, parochial school, but I couldn't go to, I could only go to one p- public school. And that school was not a good school. It was not a safe school. Uh, so I was very uncomfortable with that. And I didn't understand, I mean, naive me, a 12 year old, I'm like, I don't get it. My friends from nursery school go to this school and this school. And it's actually in terms of distance, uh, like mileage was actually closer for me. So I really didn't understand, you know, like, I don't get it. Why can't I go to one of those? And so that was what I was uh, vying for when I created the board was that there should be, uh, you know, I, I guess technically it is a voucher system, but it's not, but it does not affect the homeschoolers, the private schoolers. It would just say that, you know, I would have more options of which public school to go to, uh, and it, it made perfect sense to me in my mind because, the, you know, like Tenafly or Fort Lee, for instance, were pretty close in distance. It didn't make sense that I could only go to this one school. So I think that is uh, something that should be offered. But this is, again, how they lay the groundwork. This is the incrementalism. So I was, uh, you know, vying for the option to be able to choose between public schools, which I do think parents should have that option. Uh, but that's not the same thing as now overreaching and uh, encroaching upon private schools and uh, 
you know, homeschooler. And it's also not creating public-private partnerships, which is what this whole agenda is all about. Uh, you know, you think about now these people who are enrolled in this, uh, you know, uh, Education Freedom Scholarship Act, and they're uh, part of the ESAs, and they're getting money, essentially. It's not like they can just use that money however they want. They're now yeah. going to be specific designated vendors who have these mm -hmm. relationships, and it is a public-private partnership. Uh, so things like uniforms, you're going to have specific vendors to work with for that, transportation, uh, the mental health counselors, uh, the medical providers. So now they're all falling under these umbrellas, and it's a very convenient way to create forced public-private partnerships. Yeah, it's always strings attached, you know. Yep. It's not like our tax dollars go straight to the school. There's always people right. in between. And every time it, and that's another thing that irritates me about uh, having these many layers and layers of bureaucracy is that these right. people have to get paid. So yeah. when I when I spend a dollar, um, you know, in taxes, whether it's my income tax or whether it's a property tax, mm -hmm. by the time it gets to the receiving end of where that tax money is spent, maybe 20 mm -hmm. cents, 25 cents was spent. If, right. if I'm lucky. So it's just way, way wasted money. I, I wish the government would get out of our business, you know, forever. Yeah. I understand we, you know, EPA started off, you know, we can't have uh, Farmer Johnson up there polluting the, the creek that my family drinks from or, or fishes from. Right. So I understand there's some things that have to be done when we have to have some kind of society. Mm -hmm. But then again, there's always a private court. You know what I'm saying? It's a civil court. You could take a court. Yeah. So, so you don't necessarily need that that control from the government. No. Um, I think we would where I mean think about this. If you you know you call the police and you, you have a complaint, they'll come with their notebook, they'll take down the you know, whatever the facts, your name. They'll right. want to know more about you. If you have a problem with somebody else or there was a, a something happened to you, your property uh, they want to know more about you than what actually the, the dude who did it. Uh, it's right? crazy. Yeah. And then they tell you there's nothing we could do. Take him to court. Take him to civil court. They always mm -hmm. say that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It um, is crazy. But but anyway, uh, I don't know, know why we pay the police. Um, you know, I like the emergency responders, firefighters and things like that, that that we need those services. Sure. But uh, the police are just there now um, to write you tickets and generate revenue. And which is yeah. actually completely unconstitutional. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a blatant violation of the Constitution and of uh, privacy and uh, individual rights. Yeah, they, I mean, they're essentially just uh, revenue collectors for the, the government. That's yeah, well, they don't ever stop crime. They always show up after the crimes occurred. You know? Well, and not only that, mm -hmm. but oftentimes they create crimes. I mean, yeah. how, and they create accidents. I mean, how many times have you seen an accident? It's because a bunch of cop cars were there, people were slowing down, people are freaking out. They're, yeah, oh. I mean, they and it's because they, they operate off of fear. And it's this authoritarian... Yes. Uh, type of presence and they've created this uh you know this presence that that instills fear in people and so that makes people behave the way that they do as a, in as in reaction and then they come and punish you for it well they, that, they militarize them more than anything yeah. now i mean they you what? watch an old tv show they militarize them yeah they, exactly. they, they look like they're in the military now you look you watch an old tv show like adam 12 you mm -hmm. know the cops didn't even have vests on or anything like that and you know the cops were and i see that with all the older cops are gone now, but they were, you know, they were more concerned about people. My yeah. daughter and I had a traffic accident last year and the state police showed up and I think they were disappointed. They didn't get to arrest anybody or, or shoot somebody or beat somebody. They well, weren't, they you know, it was, it was a 15 car pileup and they could have cared less about the welfare of the people. 
It was the fire department and the paramedics when they showed up. Well, Talk, because we operate on quota, so that's yeah. Uh, yeah. Talking about uh, causing accidents, I you know the the lights, the new L, super bright LED the lights, blue, the blue lights, yeah, yeah, blue and red, and, and and they're flashing like crazy, and they have five or six cop cars there for every incident. Uh, oh, but oh, I was cop car, I, they're blinding. I oh know. Then, what is up with that? And they can What about epileptics? Do they cause seizures? Like right. I mean, they're well, they like almost strobe light. I almost ran a firefighter, a firefighter over. Do you know who Tony Arterburn is? Um, Wise Wolf. Okay, he's one of the guys that uh, does political commentary and stuff and, right. and financial stuff. But anyway, he's down in Branson, Missouri, and I went down there for his um, his Christmas party, his okay. office Christmas party. And on the way back, there was an accident, and I, I slowed down to like two miles an hour, and I still almost hit uh, uh, because there were cars on both sides with their lights going, their lights going, their lights going, and I couldn't see anything past the hood of my freaking car yeah. and uh, i almost hit a firefighter like that was crossing the road wow so, yeah yeah you're right they they cause more accidents uh or they can cause very bad accidents uh when they're responding to stuff and those new lights are just disturbing yeah. i mean what is that all about i really do worry about epileptics having seizure well and if they got a, a person pulled over they don't they shouldn't just leave them on i mean if they're pulled over in a parking lot it's uh, ridiculous you know, yeah, and then they just leave them on while they're doing their business, and then another I, car will show up, and it's it, crazy. I mean, I know that you know they've always it's always been a signal, and that that is a, a, about control and uh, you know an authoritarian authoritative stance. However, I now wonder how much uh, you know. I know this sounds really paranoid, but we know that the technology is there. But how much uh, mind control could be executed through that type of lights? We know what LED lights can do, so. I don't think it's a far-fetched notion, and it's it, it's really concerning. It's disturbing to me. I'm blind in one eye, so I you know I react to I have I don't have like depth perception the way that other people do. I don't have motion parallax, and so I I react to that those types of lights probably very differently than other people do. It's very concerning. I, I get yeah. very jarred and disoriented. I do not like it at all. We we keep doing shows on EMF and the dangers of it, and that that's come up. Uh, LED yeah. lighting has come up. I need to do some research into it. I have um, a great guy for you if you want. I did a show with him. He, his name is Aman Jabi, and uh, he's fantastic. He's doing some really great research, and uh, yeah, he he's become a friend. So I I yeah, I would definitely check out. I'll send you the links to the episode okay. we did. And excellent, uh, excellent, because yeah, I know our our listeners um, talk about it all the time, and uh, you know any information we can get. And I know. Us covering this stuff helps. It helps people yeah. like me. I was having problems. I thought it was because I'm, you know, I just retired from the military, you know, 20 years in the military. Mm -hmm. And I was waking up at three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I thought, well, it's just because I'm used to it. I'm used to it. Turns right. out I, I, I did an inventory after we did the EMF thing. I have over 30 devices emitting Wi-Fi in my area that I can, that I know of, you know, <laughs> might be to my neighbor's Wi-Fi. Uh, my router has two, it's the A through, uh, what is it, B through G, and then the N. So it's actually two two things right here. My Bluetooth mouse, you know, my, my smartwatch, my cell phone, my wife's cell phone. When you start adding it up, that's a lot of EMF. Yeah. So I started at night, I put my phone in airplane mode, and I unplugged my router. And um, anything that's Wi-Fi, TVs and stuff, we turn those off, and, and I sleep better. And I've done it where I didn't unplug them and I wake up all night. Like it's an insomnia thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So any information we can get like that, 
it helps us. Uh, it helps me. It helps the listeners. And then hopefully they tell their friends and family, you know, hey, try sure. shutting your Wi-Fi off. Charge your phone in the other room, you know. I've started doing that. I put my phone yeah. downstairs, like, you know, on airplane mode, charging downstairs. Yeah. Do, do you notice you sleep, uh, getting better sleep or anything? Um, I, I struggle with sleep. Honestly, I, it's oh, hard yeah. for me to stay asleep very long. Um, but what I do notice, and I think this is more psychological than anything is that, uh, well, not entirely, some of it's physiological, but my, uh, tendency, it would be if I did wake up, like to go to the bathroom or whatnot, I would reach for the phone and then I can't go back to sleep because now I've got the light, the blue light. And of course it's not just the light. It's also your brain's turning on. It's like, okay, yep. I've got this to do, this to do, I have to respond to this, this, you know, so, and then it becomes very hard to shut back down. So what I've noticed is that it's been much easier for me to fall back asleep, um, because I don't have that interference. So that's been helpful. All right. Hey, uh, we're, we're going to run out of time here in a little bit. Oh, Before okay. we go, I wanted to ask you about uh, um, censorship. Have you struggled or had to deal with censorship on any platforms? Yeah, I think I'm on my third YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> hanging by a thread. I really kind of stopped posting on there just because uh, I want to keep what, it. What is it that's getting you um, into trouble with YouTube? Like I don't what really topic? know. I mean, I think it's probably some of the medical stuff that I cover. Okay. That that's they, what got us. Yep. Yeah, they're really. This is why I say, like, I think, uh, and I knew this back when Obamacare came into effect, and uh, you know, they, I, I knew that's part of how they create. You know, communism it is through medicalization, uh, the, you know, control of the medical system. And now, I mean, you just look at Agenda 2050 and they have this whole EMT infrastructure and it's under the guise of, oh, the EMTs will be able to, to find you and help you and they have all your data and so it'll make it really easy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think that's how they entice you is through this uh, convenience of the technology. But I, I really, it looks like it's just all about surveilling and controlling. Um, yes. So, yeah, I, I think that the medical stuff has been a huge, but I don't really know. I was on the, they put me, I think it was after episode 11, uh, the SPLC decided I was a hate podcast. And uh, yeah, I, I can't find it anymore, but like you would look me up and it was like, uh, it come up and say, this looks like a hate podcast to me. I mean, I was on episode 11. I was pretty mild when I started. I was kind of very preposterous. Uh, I, still, I still get it. Um, my friend Angry Tiger, it's one of his shows, mm -hmm. and he was on on uh, Twitter, Twitter X, whatever. Mm -hmm. I call it Twix now because there's a left Twix and a right uh, Twix. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, he had done a show, and most people watch him either on YouTube. He's still on YouTube, and he talks about the Fed and banking and stuff, but he also covers, you know, other things. Um, but most people watch him on rumble or on youtube but right. i went and i and i seen he had posted it on uh twitter and i happened to be on twitter so i was re-watching it because i didn't catch it live and right underneath it it said uh it didn't have any comments and it said show comments that may be offensive and i clicked on it, it was an ad it wasn't even a comment it was just an ad for something you know how they do you'll read through the comments and they'll yeah. have like a suggestion i'm like wow so he's tagged i'm tagged I don't think Angus is tagged yet. Have they sort of blocking you yet? Okay. But no, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm very shadow banned. I know. So like yeah. I posted on my Instagram that I, I was gonna take a break and then I posted I said, I'm just gonna post like fitness and health and uh you know, not like controversial health, just you know, personal kind of stuff. 
uh, on there. I don't really want to lose the whole page because I started it as a training blog for my, when I tried out for American Ninja Warrior. And so there's just like, it's kind of like a training diary. And I, so I've just told them I'm going to make that. And for my other platforms, you can find more of my podcast stuff, which might be more, uh, you know, sensitive material for, uh, you know, the powers that be. Yeah. So. Rumble's been good to us. Um, I, we haven't had one and I do two, two shows, which mm -hmm. we cover this, uh, you know, stuff, but, um, I don't have one single violation, so they've been good so far. Yeah. Rumble but, is, I think Rumble impacts more in terms of reach and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, that's the yeah. problem is, you know, it's yeah. like Elon, he says you have freedom of speech, not freedom of reach. Um, exactly. so I think that's more of how they operate. And I think there's a lot of cross pollination networks, um, that do various narrative promulgation versus gatekeeping. And I think that may occur through Rumble, but not so much uh, blatant censorship. So I've been grateful for that at least, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's why that's why uh, um, Elon toyed with the idea of like you couldn't mention or link other social media sites on Twitter when he bought it. He was talking about doing that because what a lot of people are doing is they're using places like YouTube and Twitter and they're you know, they maintain the channel there, but then they refer people over to Rumble. Uh, right. For, oh, for this other content, you know, come on over to Rumble. Uh, you know, yes. maybe you do a ha half a show on really benign stuff that no I one cares about. I think we're going to try and do that for YouTube. It's just yeah. so much more time. So I'm yeah, it is. That. There's only so many hours in the day. So, well, all right. I'm going to, going to get us out of here. We got at about 10 minutes. Um, we have, uh, um, America unplugged follows us and I don't like to, uh, oh, yeah. run over okay. there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I always like to let people get out and get their snacks and stuff and use the bathrooms because we always meet up in the chat there. So yeah. Um, okay. Awesome. Uh, well, where can people find you? Uh, so CourtneyTurner.com, and I spell my name a little bit differently. So it's like Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y-T-U-R-N-E-R.com. And all of my podcasts are on there. All the ways you can support the podcast are there. All my different social media platforms, as well as my different podcasts. If you don't want to watch it on the site, you can go to different uh, audio and video platforms. And uh, yeah, I'm a Courtney Turner on most of my platforms like Twitter and Facebook, Instagram. I'm at Kinetic Courts. So again, that's uh, more of my fitness type stuff. So uh, that's on there. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's cool. CourtneyTurner.com. And you can also find the event uh, information about the Cause Fest is RebelsForCause.com. So that's Rebels, plural, F-O-R, Cause.com. So spelled out. Excellent. You got anything, Angus? Yeah. Um, actually, one of my first time I seen you, Courtney, was on the Dangerous Names podcast. With, okay. Uh, you, yeah. You and uh, Dr. Lee Merritt there. But yeah. um, did we have a um, little bit of a predictive programming moment with um, the term brain chips? Because all of a sudden I started thinking that's the zombie food of the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Excellent. Yeah, I think very possibly. Yeah, it was <laughs> a pleasure uh, meeting you and talking to you, Courtney. So, likewise, a good weekend. Predictive All programming, right. uh, the military term, which uh, you might be familiar with, is a uh, uh, operational preparation of the environment. <laughs> so, nice, yeah. Excellent. All right, well, I want to thank everybody. I'll oh, go ahead and sorry. I just said thank you so much for having me. Yeah, oh, well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, I'd like, I wanted to talk fitness, but we. We're going to run out of time here in a couple minutes. So, uh, yeah, you know, we'll do it another time. Uh, there we go. Maybe, maybe we'll do a health episode. I do that. Uh, you know, 
there's a guy named Dr. LaGuardia. I bet that would be great to have both of them on together because he's yeah. he's all into alternative nutrition, you know, alternative medicine. Um, very, very smart guy. Also, he uh, knows about EMP and stuff like that. You know how to stay not EMP, EMF, how to stay away from it. And anyway, yeah, um, that would be great. That'd be awesome. But and thank you for everybody. Uh, thanks, mom, for being in the chat over on uh, Facebook and then everybody over on uh, Rumble. And I wish I wish we could still be on YouTube, but we can't. So <laughs> I hear you. All right, so, so take care and we'll see you all next week. All right. See ya.